We're continuing today, folks, in a series that's been running for a couple of weeks now, Fruitfulness on the Frontlines, where we've been thinking about the ways in which we can live for God's glory in the places where he put us, where he puts us. When we started the series a couple of weeks ago, we thought about fruitfulness, a, a biblical idea. We looked at a lot of passages that talk about bearing fruit and, and being fruitful. Uh, but particularly, we focused on John chapter 15, Jesus' very memorable teaching there. And in that chapter, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he concludes by saying, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. So whenever we live fruitful lives, we give glory to God. Uh, one way I like to talk about giving glory to God, because that sounds quite churchy and quite Bible language, giving glory to God means to enhance God's reputation wherever we go. Folks, if you look at the little card that you got on your way in this morning, if you didn't, do grab one on your way out. You'll see that that verse, which I've just mentioned, John chapter 15, verse 8, is on one side of it. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. How are we going to do that? How do we bear fruit in our lives? Well, just as there are lots of different kinds of, of fruit, and, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, there are apples, um, there are tomatoes, there are pumpkins. There are lots of ways of being fruitful in our lives. In this series, we're going to use six different categories. These admittedly aren't biblical categories, but I think they're very helpful. I think six ways of thinking about how we can be fruitful. So if you flip your card over, you'll see a prayer there, which is structured around these six different ways of being fruitful, six M's. And if you look at that prayer, we're asking ourselves and, and we're praying to God to help us to model godly character, to make good work, to minister grace and love, to mold culture, to be a mouthpiece for truth and justice, and to be a messenger for the gospel. So this series, we're going through one of those each week. So we started last week with the first of our four M's, and we thought about how we could model godly character. We said that before we say anything or before we do anything in particular, there's, there's who we are and how we carry ourselves and conduct ourselves in a general kind of a way. And, and a question, are we growing in, in the fruit of the Spirit? Is God's character growing in us? Even though we'd all love to be able to say yes to that, there are times when, when we fail even when we fail to model godly character, I think it's a chance to model godly character, to apologize and to be humble and to look for the opportunities to make wrongs right. This morning, we're going to think about a, a second way to uh, make uh, fruit wherever God has placed us on our front lines, and that is by making good work for God's glory. Uh, Neil's already touched on this in his prayer. By the way, when I talk about making good work, I'm not talking about paid employment. I'm talking about whatever uh, activities we're involved in, whatever work uh, God has given us, paid or unpaid. The, the large things, but also the, the smaller things. 
the way in which we do this stuff that we do, the work that we do, this all matters. In a way, we're building here this morning on what we talked about three weeks ago when we had a, 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 a Sunday where we talked about whatever we do. Um, you might remember, turn with me again to Colossians 3, one of those passages we have read this morning. We had a quick look at it that morning, and we're going to have a, another brief glance at it just now. Colossians chapter 3, just a, a fabulous chapter in God's Word. We noticed a couple of weeks ago that Paul uses the phrase, whatever we do, twice. He uses it first when he talks about our shared life as a worshiping community. Look at verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through your psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So when you read that passage, you see that Paul is urging those in Colossae, the believers in Colossae, to do whatever they do for God's glory, to do it in the name of Jesus. But it sounds at that point like the stuff they do together and in church as a gathered community of his people. But as we read on in the chapter, we discover that that's not the only thing that Paul's interested in. In verses 18 to 22, he starts to, to move beyond the church into our familial relationships. Then in verse 22, he talks about slaves and their masters. So he's taking us out to the, the workplace. And as he talks about these various other front lines that people have beyond their church life, he says, verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. So when you read the whole of Colossians 3, it becomes whatever you do, not some of what you do or whatever you do together in church. God really does care about whether I do my homework well and on time, whether I wash the dishes in the staff kitchen, and the quality of work that I do for my employer. It all sounds pretty reasonable. I don't think anybody's going to argue about what I've said so far, that we should do our work to the best of our ability. But these ideas that, that God really would care about that, I think some of us might still be struggling with. This idea that we can bring glory to God through our work, so that's exactly what we're going to go a little bit deeper with this morning. We're going to notice three things. We're going to notice that our work matters to God. We're going to notice that our work can bring glory to God and that our work must be done in God's strength. So first of all, why should we believe that our work matters to God? This is where we need to go back right to the beginning of the Bible. Turn with me again to Genesis 1. 
Neil read it for us a moment ago. It's page four in, in your pew Bibles there. This account of God creating the world, so familiar to us. We don't have time for an in-depth study on Genesis 1. We, we did that in the autumn time in, our, in the beginning series. This morning, I, I want you to be looking at these verses with only one question. What do they have to say to us about work? First of all, notice that God's working. He's creating light, separating it from darkness. He's separating sea from sky and land from sea. We might say that he's building infrastructure. But he's also filling that infrastructure with light and with plants and with animals and all those good things that we see around us in God's creation. So God's busy in this period of time. He's building structures and he's filling them. He's creating things. He's working. So much so that we're told, look at chapter 2, verse 2. We're told about a time when God finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Finished the work, rested from his work. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about it in those terms before. The Bible tells us of a God who works. Notice a second thing quickly about God's work. It's for our benefit. Question, why doesn't God create Adam on day one? Answer, because if he'd created Adam on day one, he'd have been in the dark and he'd have had nowhere to stand. Everything that God does in the build-up to creating Adam and Eve and the, the human race, we have this picture of him doing it to prepare for us, to build a, a place for us. God works so that human beings can flourish. Uh, the, the word Eden that we're given for the garden, uh, that, that's the Hebrew word for delight. God builds a place that's uh, beautiful, it's delightful, and it's built for you and I to flourish. There's air to breathe, water to drink, beautiful, nutritious food, animals to look at, even God's own presence in the cool of the day. Mark Green likens God's work in creation to the work of parents when they're creating a, a nursery for their firstborn child, a place for this little person to flourish. Here's a third thing about God's work. It's good. Uh, we, we remembered this a year ago when we looked at this. But look again, Genesis 1. You see this repeated assessment at the end of every day. As each day's work's evaluated, we're told that it was good. That beautiful little Hebrew word, tov. And then verse 31, the, the whole of the creation project is evaluated. God saw all that he had made. And it was very good. Tov Mahod. So what do we learn about the significance of our work from these opening verses in the Bible? We learn that God's a worker. He's working for human flourishing. And this work that he does is good. Now, folks, we're made in God's image. We're made to mirror him so we too will want to be workers who do good work 
that allows everyone around us to flourish. By the way, we're already doing this, all of us. This desire that we have to do good work for other people to flourish. It's what you do when you build a home for your family. The, the parents, the, the parent, the care, whoever's caring in that place, they do the work so that others can feel secure and safe and can flourish. It's what we do when we have our friends around for a party. We, we work to create an environment where others can relax and find space to celebrate and enjoy themselves. We work so that they can flourish. It's what a good manager does in, in the workplace. They try to create a context that brings the best out of everyone. Mark Green tells of a conversation he had with a manager who put it like this. My job, he says, is to roll the rocks off the runway so that other people can fly. Isn't that brilliant? This guy knows that it's his job to work so that other people can flourish. It's what we do when we try to be peacemakers in our class at school or in our peer group. We're aware of, of jealousies and rivalries, but we, we strive always to bring people back together and to encourage them. Our work so that other people can flourish. One thing I'll be saying from time to time in our Fruitfulness in the Frontline series is that we, we mostly don't need to be looking for new things to do. I don't meet many people who are saying, I'm looking for stuff to do. A lot of people are busy. So we're not looking for new things to do always. What we want to learn to do is to do what we're doing in a, in a different kind of a way. Mark Green tells the story of Keith, a decorator. He's been a self-employed decorator for about 25 years. He helps people change a room in their home or sometimes even the whole home. Keith says how for the first 10 years or so, he always tried to do a good job, but actually he had no sense that God might be interested in that. He just worked to earn a living. That's Keith in phase one. And then there was the car crash. Keith's car flipped over. He had one of those near-death experiences, but he managed to keep his life and his health. So he, he had a new vision that changed how he thought about his work. He still worked to earn money, but he, he said now that he worked with two aims. He worked to earn money for his family, but he, he also worked to earn money for God. Keith worked to give money to God. And then one day, after a talk he heard in church, a light bulb went off in Keith's head. He realized that when he's decorating, he's helping other people flourish. That woman for whom he's decorating a room in the house so that she can continue to care for her husband, she can't do it, but he's helping her, helping her and their household to flourish. That, that family with the, the child with special needs. He's helping them make a home that really works for them. He's serving God by serving these people. What we have to notice here is that Keith's not doing anything new. He's doing the same work, but with a different perspective. If you ask him now, he'll tell you, I, I, don't, I don't work to earn money for myself. I don't even work anymore to earn money for, for the church. 
I work to help other people flourish and to bless them for God's glory. My decorating is my service. My work is my worship. And it's totally transformed my life. Folks, we can live for God's glory simply by doing good work. You might struggle with that. But struggle, I want you to, okay? Take that idea and wrestle with it. Come and talk to me if you don't believe me. We can work in a way that, that gives glory to God. Our second point this morning, our work really can bring glory to God. Let's, let's think about that a little bit further. Two weeks ago when I started with this series, I tried to explain that, that this might be a good time for us to be thinking about this at Hamilton Road because many of us have come to see that we have front lines that God calls us to live for his glory there. It sounded like good news at first, but it can very quickly turn to bad news because we can have this sense that we're failing. If we're not constantly talking to people about Jesus, and if they aren't coming to faith, then we feel like we're failing on our front lines. We believe that we're not being fruitful. This morning, we're, we're challenging that notion, and we're saying that it's possible to be fruitful simply by the work that we do. Our work can give glory to God, and it does so by bringing people closer to God, closer to saving faith in Jesus. Maybe you're not sure about that. You can't imagine anything else bringing people closer to God other than your words well would you take jesus christ at his word could the apostle paul persuade you let's have a quick look we're going to quickly revisit some of the passages we've looked at over the last year or so here in church life jesus first what is it he famously says in matthew chapter 5 in that opening chapter of the sermon on the mount he says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. He's talking about something that we can do that'll help somebody else glorify our Father in heaven. It's our good deeds. The kind of work that we do. Your work can help people come closer to Jesus to the point where they're ready to give glory to God. What about Paul? Just about a year ago, we studied the, the little letter he had written to his apprentice, Titus. He was telling Titus how to go about planting a church in Crete. And Paul tells Titus to talk to the Christian believers about their work. He says, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted. Why? so that in every way they'll make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Do you see what Paul's saying here about our work? The way we do our work influences how people respond to the gospel. If a Christian shouts at others about Jesus but does shoddy work, that Christian will never get a hearing, no matter how much they, they preach on and on. If a Christian does good work, work that helps others flourish, 
then that door begins to open eyes and ears for the beautiful message of the gospel and to open hearts to receive that good news. A few years ago, I saw a lovely example of how God reveals himself in good work. It happened actually at church. Um, as a minister, your front line sometimes is, is the church itself and how it interacts with the world. It was at Kirkpatrick Memorial there in East Belfast. We were having our roof re-slated. The job went to Charlton's a building contractor from Kilkeel. I still have a lovely photograph of myself and Sophie and Ruby, my two daughters, on the roof of the church after David had invited us up to inspect the, the finished job, David Charlton. David wanted to show me what, what they'd done up there because you couldn't see any of it really from ground level. They'd re-slated the roof. That's what you'd expect. That, that's what we paid them for. But they'd done it so well. He showed me the brass nails. He said, Christoph, the reason the slates have been sliding off this roof and have been falling down onto the pavement and, and into the church property is, is because the old nails rusted. Brass nails don't rust. This was a good job. Then, then he showed me, if you can imagine a building not, not much lower than this one, he showed me the, the woodwork at the gable ends of the church painted. We, we hadn't asked for that, but David knew how expensive it is to, to get scaffolding up and to do that work, so he and his men made sure that that uh, was all painted up. While we were on the roof, David thanked me for the way the church had interacted with, with him and his men when something went wrong on the project. You see, the day when they first began to remove the, the slates, it was a beautiful, bright, sunny, hot day. No rain forecast. These guys open up a, a gaping hole in the roof of the church, relying on the good weather, and bang, this tropical thunderstorm comes. The felt that should have been able to hold that water out for a short period of time failed. It was probably ancient. And we have black rain, as black as just pouring into our church. Throughout that couple of weeks, those men worked tirelessly, not only to put the slates back on, or the new slates on, but also to help us clean up the mess in the church. They, they cleaned the church before they left. They washed down the pews. They shampooed the carpets. They worked so well that we were able to cancel a team of cleaners that we had booked to clean the place up before Sunday morning worship. As I thanked David for that, he took the opportunity to thank me for the way in which the church had dealt with him and his men. Uh, 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 we were his he was our client. We had assured them whenever this catastrophe happened, we had assured them that we, we didn't have a problem with that. We didn't hold them accountable for that. We told them how much we appreciated the way in which they'd, they'd worked and all the efforts they'd made to help us clean up. And he said, Christoph, you know, whenever things go wrong, we go to a church and, and we work and things go, don't go as well as we like. Not every church is understanding. We were heart scared that when 
that you and the, the leadership in the church here saw this mess in the sanctuary, that we had, we had get it, that we had faced criticism and abuse from, from the church as our client. Your response to us has been a real blessing. In, in fact, he said, I was telling the scaffolder uh, as he was coming, lifting the scaffolding, uh, about how we'd been treated here. And he said, he was amazed. He said, it's a rare thing nowadays that somebody will treat you well when a job doesn't go as you'd hoped. He said, it was a powerful witness. A powerful witness. Folks, David Charlton and his men, they, they made good work and it brought glory to God to in my eyes, in the eyes of our congregation, anybody who got to see it at close quarters. But even our congregation at the time got to, to do good work in, in its relations with, with our contractor. And that too brought glory to God in the eyes of that contracting team, the, the scaffolder and anyone else who saw it at close quarters. Our work matters to God. It can bring glory to, to God, to his name. Very quickly, our third point. If we're going to make good work, and that work's going to bring glory to God, it must be done in God's strength. It's very easy, you see, to go day by day through our work, never asking God's help, not, not for the ordinary stuff, not for the stuff that we feel able for. Whenever we're in a crisis, often we'll run to God to ask for his help then. But what about the times when we're just doing our work and it's going okay? The real challenge is to keep all of our work before him all the time. Remember what Jesus says, John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's one of those lines from Jesus. We don't question it because it's from Jesus. What do you mean, Jesus, apart from you, I can do nothing? Sure, loads of people live their whole lives apart from you. They're not doing nothing. What do you mean? Maybe he means that the things that we do in our own strength no matter how impressive they are in the world's eyes, no matter how much recognition we get, they're nothing in the kingdom. They won't bear the kind of fruit that he's looking for. Folks, you see, we are made in the image of God. Everything we do is to bring glory to God. Everything's meant to have his, his fingerprints on it. It's, it's like where it's to be stamped with his logo, that everything, everything any one of us does, it, it immediately points a person to our Father. God's not going to put his fingerprints and his logo on stuff that we've done without him. Folks, here's something to think about over lunch and throughout the incoming week. What would it look like to take our work and to just offer it to God, to say, there it is. I'll, I'll show up tomorrow morning for whatever I'm 
wrote it to do whatever I'm volunteering, whatever my, whatever my paid work is. I, I'll show up. But Lord, it's, it's for you. It's all for your glory. Might we not find that we do our work a, a little bit differently? Might the response from others be just a little bit more positive? Might God teach us new things as we work in that frame of mind? Who knows what might happen if we offer it all to him? If we pray the wee prayer that it says on our card, Father, help me model godly character and make good work. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this thing that you're teaching us, that to live as faithful followers of Jesus Christ and to be fruitful for your glory doesn't require us to live a different life. It simply requires us to live our lives differently. So we pray you'd help us to do that. Help us to reconnect to the vine. Help us to welcome your spirit every moment of every day with every task and every opportunity. And Lord, we pray that over time we would be more and more and more fruitful for your glory. Lord, we pray you'd bless us even in our work. Amen.